Are you expectant? Are you hungry? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let me ask you again. Are you expectant? Are you hungry? Good, good. Then let's get filled by the Lord. Um, We're going to be reading from Deuteronomy this morning. You can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And um, I'll introduce it and then we'll read. But first I want to say a little bit about um, last week's message and this week's message. I said to you last week before I began to preach that the Lord had given me two messages that felt like they were um, coming at the same theme, but from different directions. And um, last week's message was from Romans chapter 12. Paul's spent 11 chapters unfolding the beauty of the gospel. And then he says to the church, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies, your lives as living sacrifices, right? Sacrifices used to get burned. Now you're on fire. You're the living sacrifice. And in verse 11, he says, don't be sluggish or lacking in zeal, but keep up your spiritual fervor. We, we noticed the words there were keep a fire in your spirit. Keep burning with love. We said it was love for Jesus, first and foremost, that he was calling for everything else flows out of that love. All the work of ministry, whatever gifts, whatever you do flows out of the heart. I love the Lord. I serve out of that love. And so we talked about cultivating the fire of love for the Lord. Now I want to ask you something real quick. This is this is bonus, okay? Who's hearing that right now and who's feeling like, "Oh, I was stirred up last week, but I don't I don't know that I I fully acted on that." Is there anybody that would be bold and say, that's me, and maybe you're feeling a little, little shame or a little bit like a regret? Okay. Yeah? Okay. Thank you for the ones that are nodding to. Shame and regret function under law and lead to death. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and life. So if you want to grow in the Lord, one of the things that you need to notice are what are the things that are acting upon your soul. Grace always lifts us up. Grace always comes to us. A God that always comes to the repentant, lifts us up, looks us in his eyes and says, it's okay, let's start again. Let's start again. Let's start again. When you feel frustrated with yourself and you give yourself a little whip on the back like, oh, I heard that message and I didn't do it. Now I got to do it next week. You're living under law. Law punishes. It tells you that you fail and it leads to death. So the law couldn't lead to righteousness. This isn't the sermon this morning. It's just a, a bonus. It's two for one. Okay, but we need to get this. We need to get this. Grace lifts us up. Grace leads to life. 
And so if you want to pay attention to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, you can't allow yourself to be continually shaped or motivated by law because it just leads to feeling bad and to death and to inaction. So the Lord is calling for us to live full of his Holy Spirit. It is not his will or his purpose for the church to be apathetic, to be lukewarm, to move from day to day and week to week outside of the awareness of his ever-present goodness. He wants us to know all the time how good he is, how good he has been to us and continues to be, and the good plans and purposes that he has, and the hope that he wants to fill our hearts with, and the joy and the peace that he wants to flow over through us to others. He wants us full of his Holy Spirit. Okay? And so we've got a role to play in cultivating, welcoming the work of the Holy Spirit, allowing the fire of love to be continued, kindled, receiving and giving love. And um, we, can, we can talk a little bit more later about how we do that, sort of the practicalities of it. But part A of the message, full of the, of the fire of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Part B, we're going back to the Old Testament for a beautiful lesson here. God has... God has just given Israel the law again. The Ten Commandments that are to shape their life, their covenant relationship with Him. You're going to be for me a royal priesthood. My treasured possession. A revelation to the earth of what it looks like when a people are mine and I am their God. And this is the way that you're to to do that. These are the commands. And he's getting them ready to go into the promised land, into their inheritance. And then these are the words he speaks through Moses in Deuteronomy 6, 1 to 12. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear or reverence the Lord as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. God's Word. One of the most memorable or remarkable moments of parenting that I have ever witnessed happened when Anne and I uh, were just married, and I was actually interning. I was a seminary student. I was interning here at Gold Avenue Church, and a couple from the church by the name of Jim and Roxanne Vinfaro, who now live, I think, in South Carolina, they came over for dinner. And they arrived at our house and <clears throat> they said hi to us. I did and did they have one child or two? one was it one? I I just remember one. It might have been two, but in any case, um one of their children was maybe uh 2 years old. Was definitely walking and able to 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 get around the home. And Jim n- no Sooner said hello to us, and then he's the dad, and then he stopped uh, interacting with us for a number of minutes. And what he did was he took his little child over to a portion of our living room, and he got down beside that child, and he started introducing them to the things in our living room and explaining what they were and what they could touch and what they couldn't touch. And he didn't just do one thing. He walked them all the way around the living room and then toward the dining room and basically the whole main level of our house, which he'd never been in before. He showed his child around and helped them to become familiar with the environment so that their child could flourish during that visit. I'd never seen anything like it. Usually I see parents come Uh, I'm guilty of this too. And we just kind of hope for the best. And when it doesn't happen, we give a little correction, sometimes with understanding, sometimes with a little less understanding. Like, kind of like you should have known better, but I didn't tell you. But Jim, before he even interacted with us, walked his child around the whole room because he was trying to set that child up for flourishing. He wanted not just for he and Roxanne to have a good visit with Anne and I, but he wanted his child to be able to come and enjoy the visit and be able to know what they could do and what they couldn't do that would be good, what wouldn't be good. Friends, this is what God's doing for Israel in this text this morning. And I forgot, I wanted to mention to you at the beginning of the message, last week's message was to each of us as individuals. It was kind of like an individual word. This is a message that comes to us as a church. 
as a community. And whatever is, you might not be part of this community, that's okay, because whatever God speaks to the community, he also speaks to the individual, okay? So here's God speaking to a community, and he, listen to his heart for this community from the text. He's saying to them, I'm telling you these things because I want you, verse 2, to enjoy long life. Verse 3, so that it may go well with you. Well, that's kind of generic. Go well with you. That, that's all-inclusive. That's your whole life. I want you to live long life. Now I want your whole life to go well. Verse 3, that you may increase greatly. I want you to have a long life. I want you to have a life that goes well, and I want you to be fruitful in the things that you do. I want you to increase as a people. I want you to grow. And then verse 11 God's got this list of a whole bunch of good things that he wants to give to them. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you homes. I'm going to give you cities. I'm going to give you wells and vineyards. All the stuff that you didn't work for, I want to give it to you as a gift. So this is God sharing his heart for his people. Long life. Good life, increase, growth, multiplication, and gifts. And you know what, friends? When God wants to give us things, He always, because He's such a good, good Father, He prepares us in advance to be able to receive and steward those things. Because, you know, there's many things that if God gave them to us when we asked or even when we weren't asking, we can't handle. They would blow us up. There are measures of responsibility that could be given to us in the kingdom that we can't handle. Because maybe our maturity isn't ready. Maybe our character work isn't ready. Maybe our willingness to persevere or endure or resist temptation isn't ready. And if God gives you a good gift, but you aren't ready for it, well, then the gift goes to waste because you blow up. Satan uh, has his way and the work of God goes, God doesn't want that to happen. God wants a people through whom he can establish his kingdom. He wants a people that can be a living display of the gospel. He wants a people that can be fruitful and multiply. He wants a people that can handle the good gifts that he wants to give. And so he prepares that people. He gets them ready. See, because he's dealing with the people in this text. They're, they're about to go through a big transition. You might think to yourself, you might listen to the text and go, oh, they're getting ready to go to a land of milk and honey. Like they're moving from the desert to this beautiful place. Wow, it's going to be amazing. Except that in the desert, they didn't have to contend with enemies. 
In the desert, they didn't have to fight battles. In the desert, they were sheltered by the Lord, supernaturally provided for by the Lord, fed by the Lord. In the desert, they were not contending against demonized cultures and all the temptation that comes with them. They're about to enter into a land that is heavily oppressed. They're going into a place where they say, we're as small as grasshoppers in our own eyes to these people. That's literal. There's giants in the land. There are very large people. They're going to go in and feel small compared to them. And they aren't just very large people. They're people who are under the grip of Satan. The Bible says that there are gods in that land, and those gods are called Baal, Ashtoreth, and Molech. Baal was the God, the Lord of Lords, the God who replaced, who claims to have replaced the true and living God. And he's the one who says, if you follow me, I'll make you prosperous. If you give offerings to me, I will prosper you. He was worshipped by the form of a bull, a bull that looks just the same or almost identical to the bull that is in New York City by Wall Street and by which we call bull markets. Ashtoreth was a goddess of sexual uh, immorality and, and of fertility who was worshipped through cult prostitution. Temples, but also out in the countryside. Great immorality. Many, many um, rights, R-I-T-E-S, religious rights of offering themselves in worship by engaging in sexual acts, not just men with women, but men with men and women with women and men with women. And Ashtoreth was a goddess who was reputed to be able to change a man into a woman and a woman into a man. She introduced great sexual confusion into the culture. And all of the orgies that were engaged in to worship her produced a whole lot of unwanted pregnancies. What did they do with the unwanted children? They sacrificed them to Molech, the destroyer, in the fire as an offering. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament and the New that though there is no God but the living, true and living God, that there are powerful demonic principalities, fallen angels, masquerading as gods, who are giving shape to or leadership to deceiving the peoples. Paul says in the New Testament, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They're caught in the grip of these false religions, as it were, and bound up in shame, in 
fear, in lust, in greed, in all forms of deception. So here we've got an Israelite community that has been sheltered and protected, supernaturally fed. And God is saying, transition's coming. I want to bless you. I have a place of fruitfulness for you. I want to lead you into this place and give you many great gifts and make my name great through you and pour out my love on you. But in order to come into and receive your inheritance that I'm giving you, you're going to have to enter into this land in which you're going to have to not only fight battles against people that are bigger than you, but you're also going to have to resist great temptation toward idolatry. And so God gives them, in His mercy, He gives them a strategy for how they're going to do this. How are they going to come to a place of great challenge, great temptation, not yield, fight, and become fruitful? What's God's strategy? Three things. And it's the same strategy for us. Three things. Hear. Hear, O Israel. He says it twice in verse 3 and verse 4. Hear. Listen. Listen, Israel. Listen to the voice of God. When the writer of Hebrews is addressing the church, he quotes Psalm 95, which references Israel's time in the wilderness, and he says to the church, Today, if you hear his voice... Do not harden your hearts as you did in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. Hear. Listen to God. Just reading Joshua chapter 4 for my devotions. And what struck me, uh, chapter, chapter 6, I'm sorry, 5 or 6. Israel's just crossed over into the land and they've stopped at Gilgal and God's called all the young men to be circumcised again. And it says that he raised up their sons in their place, in the place of the parents. And as I was reading that, I thought, I just noticed, oh, you're having to use a generation that you didn't intend to use to enter the land. You gave the promises to their parents, but their parents weren't willing to hear and obey. And so you're having to raise up another generation. Sometimes the purposes of God get stopped because a generation or because people aren't listening to the Lord and obeying him. So God says to Israel, it's so easy to pass over. 
listen. Listen to my voice. Listen to me. When Jesus is ministering in the New Testament, he says to the Pharisees, you guys search the scriptures because you think that in them is eternal life. It's in me. They point to me and you're missing me. He's saying God's right in front of you and you're not listening to him. Right. Listen. So the point is ears open to listen to God. Listen. How are you going to be fruitful? Listen to God. Second part, be careful to obey. Be careful to obey. When God says go, you don't say, but they're bigger than us. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. There's no way we can defeat them. There's absolutely no way it can work. God says, go, you go, because he said it. And if he said it, he will do it. You are the human instrument through which he's chosen to demonstrate his power, his glory. You will not feel strong. The Apostle Paul said, when I am weak, Christ's power rests on me. Therefore, I've learned to give thanks for my weakness. Listen, obey, and then love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all its translated strength. The word for... uh, we, it's the one for being. I said being. It's trans. It's translated soul, but the word is nephesh, and it means living being. It's your your whole self, your whole being, whole temple of your body, soul, and spirit, all your heart, your inner life, your whole being. And then the last one that's translated strength. The word is literally very. All your very. <laughs> everything. <laughs> Love God with everything. So here's God's strategy for resisting temptation and coming to a place of kingdom fruitfulness. Listen, obey, and love God with everything. If you listen and obey and give yourselves to loving me completely, I'll bring you to a place of fruitfulness that you didn't earn, that you couldn't bring yourself to, and I want to delight to give. Friends, so I want to say that Gold Avenue Church is in a, is in a really similar place to Israel listening to this text. I, the Lord is saying, I want to increase you for my glory. I want to give you many good gifts. I want you to share in the supernatural joy of seeing people come out of addiction. People come out of lifestyles, of anti-God lifestyles, deception. People come out of paganism, out of witchcraft, out of hard-heartedness. I want to see the church populated with a diverse community of people that, that could never get together in the world, that could never be one in the world, but in Jesus Christ can all lift their hearts and hands together and say, God is good. Jesus is Lord. 
And we thank Him, bless Him together. So God has these plans for us. We've heard that. We've heard the prophetic words that have been spoken. We've heard God's call. I, I pray we've heard, heard the call to pray, to pray in that revival, to pray in the lost. Because what we pray for will shape what our hearts love and it will shape our actions as well. So we give ourselves to prayer. God not only gives them a strategy for kingdom fruitfulness, He's so good, He even gives them a method for, for uh, effecting that strategy. He, this is His method. He says, cherish My commands. Have them upon your hearts. Cherish them. Keep them close. Impress them on your children. Biological, spiritual, impress them. Talk about them constantly, he says. Cherish them, keep them close, impress them, talk about them constantly. Does that describe us? Let's think about Jesus' commands Be my witnesses, make disciples. Love your enemies. Forgive everyone. Seek first my kingdom and its righteousness. Does this, does a cherishing of these commands describe us? I love you, Lord. I cherish these. I want to walk in obedience. Lord, I want to be your witness. I want to make disciples. I don't want to leave that to somebody else. I don't want to leave it to the church in general. I, Jesus, I want to be involved in making disciples. Help me to do that, Lord. Help me to love people that hate me. Help me to love people that are difficult. Help me not just to, to, to um, yeah, forgive them because I know it's right, but give me your heart, Lord. What kind of heart leads you to, to give yourself on a cross and from a cross say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I want that heart. I cherish that heart, Lord. Give me your heart. Change me, God. Make me like you. Make me a living witness to the love of Jesus Christ, which means I'm going to have enemies. It means I'm going to have people persecuting me. But your glory, Lord, you are so good. There is nothing like you, no one like you, and I want to know you. Just like Paul said, I want to know you, and I want the world to know you. Lord, give me that heart. Give me the desire even for that heart, Lord, because you're worthy. Is that my all-consuming passion? Am I, do I cherish that? And if I'm not cherishing that, what am I cherishing? What am I holding close? What am I talking what are we talking to each other about? What are we impressing on each other? Friends, what would it, I want to ask this, this question. What would it look like for us as a community to give ourselves to an all-consuming love for Jesus and obedience to his commands? I don't have the answer, but I know that we would need intentional, focused 
spaces for encouraging and for asking each other regularly about each other's love. Spaces where we could say, how are you listening to and obeying the Lord? How are you loving the Lord? What does loving him with your everything look like? What did it look like this week? Tell me about how loving you loved the Lord by loving your friends. Tell me about how you loved the Lord by loving the poor. Tell me about how you loved the Lord by loving your spouse. Tell me about how you loved the Lord by how you loved the Word. Tell me about how you loved the Lord by how you loved to worship. Tell me about how you loved the Lord through how you loved to give. Tell me about how you loved the Lord through. And just, again, If you hear those, don't go to shame if you feel like you don't measure up. That's law. We are under grace and we are stirring each other up, right? Don't give up on meeting together, but all the more as you see the day approaching so that you can stir one another up in love and in good deeds. So maybe base camps that are launching, maybe that's one good option for this focused, intentional encouragement. How are you loving Jesus? How are you loving him? As we give ourselves over to this as a community, saying together, we are going to love God together with everything we've got. This is, this is God's somehow. I, I can't tell you how. This is going to be a part of the path that God has for us in how he answers the prayer that, or the, the, the promise that he's made that he'll bring revival. I can't tell you what, what shape that's going to take or when God's going to do it, but I just know that as we together say, let's help each other, let's love Jesus with everything that we've got together, somehow he's going to take that And he's going to translate it into the gift of the inheritance that he's promised that we can't bring about except by faith. And friends, I want to tell you this. I believe with all my heart that it is far, far closer than than you might believe. I believe that we are right on the cusp. I, I, I will not make timing predictions i just want to tell you that in my years of following the lord one of the ways this is this is a uh okay never mind one of the ways that i've learned to pay attention to what the lord is doing is to watch almost like an outside observer to watch my own heart and watch what he's stirring or lifting up okay and I, so I love the word. You know that. I spend an hour to two hours every morning, not for work, before breakfast in the word and in prayer. And I, I've learned that I can watch God draw up a theme or draw up uh, certain passages of scripture and put them on my heart. And it's kind of like, I, I don't I, I, I'm sorry if you're listening online, but I'm, I'm, my hand is like lifting something up. I'm watching God lift something up. And sometimes 
uh, he'll hold it for a while, and then he'll say to me, like, now, now I want you to speak about this. Now here to this person, or now for the church, okay? And there's, you can almost become like a detached observer watching what's percolating in your own heart. Remember, you're one with the Lord. I'm one spirit with him, right? I'm joined to him. So here the Holy Spirit's at work within me as I meditate on the word, and I watch him drawing something up, and, and then now speak it. Now, and sometimes it'll be months and sometimes even years. Well, several months ago, the Lord began uh, near the beginning of the fall, lifting up something he gave me a year ago and saying to me, not in words, just impressing on my spirit, transition is coming, revival is coming, uh, and and there's an awakening that's coming even as there's increased hardship coming. Okay? And... Um, he, he began to draw my focus in Scripture to Deuteronomy and to Joshua, first to Deuteronomy and then to Joshua, and to just speak about transition. And it was like he's stirring and preparing for transition within me. And he just, a couple of weeks ago, started to lift up these words from Joshua, be strong and courageous, for I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. And he had no sooner started lifting those up. And last week I came into worship. And Rebecca Essenberg came up to me before the service. And she said, the Lord woke me up this morning with the words, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you. And I said, Lord, what about these words? And he said, therefore, Pastor Dave, speak them to him this morning. So she came in and spoke them to me. We're getting ready to enter God's promised inheritance, one that we can't work for, but that will require our faith, will require battles. And its success will depend on us communally loving Jesus together with all we've got. Let's give ourselves to him now. And let's, let's together in prayer. I don't want to pray for us. Let's all together pray and ask Jesus to help us do this in community. Okay? Lord, help us to pray. 